You're listening to a service of morning prayer from Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham. Today's sermon will be delivered by Dean Pearson. Lord Jesus, you seek us when we are yet strangers and even when we're not looking for you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet us even now in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This parable from Luke chapter 15 is a much-loved parable, often called the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, You've probably heard it uh, taught, you've probably read it, you've heard it preached upon, and almost exclusively, uh, the emphasis on any sermon or any teaching, or even when many people read it, is on the younger brother, the one who has gone off and spent his inheritance in reckless living. And yet that's actually not who Jesus is addressing this parable to. We see in the first three verses of Luke 15, Luke tells us, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled about that, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Then he tells them this parable. You see, this parable is, yes, addressed in part to the younger brothers who have gone far off, but primarily this parable is addressed to the older brothers, the Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders of the day, the institutional types, the traditionalists. That is who Jesus is speaking to. In this parable, he tells us that there are two ways to be lost. We're given a picture of what it means to be alienated from God in the two sons. Now, on its surface, the prodigal son, it's it's easy to say that he's lost. He's gone off the reservation. He's a fine Jewish boy working on a pig farm. He has spent and squandered his inheritance in licentious living. But the older son is just as lost and alienated from the father as the younger. But that lostness is not so obvious to us. We hear that the younger son, rather impetuously and dastardly in a sense, comes to his father and says, Dad, I want what is coming to me when you're dead, but I want it now. In a word, he was saying to his father, I wish you were dead. And the father does something rather remarkable. He actually gives his son what he asks for. And it's not as if he could just go down to Merrill Lynch and liquidate some assets and kind of cut a check and say, here you go, my son. Uh, But in fact, uh, what the scripture tells us, if you look at the Greek, uh, dividing up his property, he was actually dividing up his life. You know, if you've ever lived in an agricultural community, uh, you'll know that uh, the land doesn't so much belong to you, but you belong to the land. And so for the father to give his son this inheritance, it meant that he had to divide up his very livelihood. And the way that it would have worked in Jesus' day is that uh, the estate would have been cut into thirds, and the youngest son would have been entitled to one of those thirds. And so the father gives it to him, and we read that he goes off to a faraway country. He gets as far away from home as he possibly can. And incredibly, 
is able to spend every dime that his father has given him. An incredible fortune. It gets so bad that he has to become a pig, uh, help out at a pig farm, which is an indication that he really has gotten a long way away from Israel. And it's while he's there feeding the pigs that he realizes the shape he's in. He comes to himself, Jesus says, and he begins to think, how many of my dad's workers have bread to eat? They don't go starving. And so he prepares this speech, and the idea is that he'll go back and he'll ask his father to be apprenticed out to the carpenter or the bricklayer or someone like that on the farm. And although he may not be restored to his sonship, at least he'll be part of the household and won't go hungry. And so he comes back. And Jesus tells us that while he was still far off, the father saw him. Which means what? There wasn't a day that went by in the life of that father where he didn't look for his son to come home. And he hiked up his robes. And he went as fast as he could and embraced his son. And the son begins his speech. But the father doesn't let him even finish. Bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Shoes on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. For this son of mine once was lost and now was found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And they throw an incredible party. And while this party is going on, the dutiful older son is coming in from a long day working his father's farm, doing what he ought to do, and he hears the commotion and asks a servant, what's going on? And the servant says, I imagine rather excitedly, uh, your brother's come back, and your father is throwing a party. Well, he's unhappy for a number of reasons. One, this immoral, irreligious uh, son that really doesn't care at all about his family who was, who was gone off. And, and not just that, but economically he had a right to be mad because if the son had been restored to the family, it meant that that estate, which was now only worth two-thirds what it was worth before, it meant that the son that had come back was entitled to a third of the reduced estate. He was made an heir again of the estate, and the older brother is incredibly unhappy. So much so that he refuses to go in and join the party. And for the second time, the father does what no man from the ancient Near East would ever do. In the first instance, he hiked up his robes and went to run to his son who had wished him dead and embraced him and kissed him. And in this instance, he gets up and he leaves the party. Men in the ancient Near East didn't do that. But here is a father who is willing even to be humiliated for his sons. And the older brother is invited into the party. But the son says, look, I have served you my entire life. I've never disobeyed you. And yet you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. And now this son of yours, not even my brother, but this son of yours, has come back after devouring what you gave him with prostitutes. And you throw him the party of a lifetime. Forget your party. The father says to him, 
my son. You're always with me. All that is mine is yours. If you want a goat, it's yours. If you wanted the fattened calf, it's yours. But it's right for us to celebrate. Do you not understand that your brother was dead? Now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. See, it's easy for us to see the young prodigal as being far off and off the reservation and lost. But it turns out that the older brother is just as lost. And his lostness maybe even be more insidious than his brother's. What he's saying to his father, even in the midst of an offer of grace and mercy, is I have obeyed you my whole life, and that's why you should give me things. You owe me. He was serving himself in the same way that his brother was serving himself, but by very different means. Now, if you're following along in your Bible, you'll see that the lectionary skips from verse 3 to verse 11. That it pole vaults over two parables that Jesus told his listeners before he tells the parable of the lost son. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd who is over a flock of 100 and one strays off and he leaves the 99 in order to go after the one who was lost. The next one is a woman who had lost a coin and she tears the whole house upside down looking for a little coin. And when she finds it, she rejoices. And then he tells this parable. But do you see the great difference between the first two and this one? In the first two, somebody goes after that which is lost. Who goes after the prodigal? There would have been no doubt in Jesus' day by his listeners as to who it was that was supposed to go after the younger brother, who was supposed to go and grab hold of him and bring him home. And that's the older brother. And here is this older brother The son is in the party. The son enjoys the fellowship and restoration of the father. And yet the older son stands outside of the party. And this parable stops abruptly. Jesus doesn't end it. He simply stops it. He leaves it open-ended. The older brother is left standing outside of the party with this invitation to come in. Does he come into the party? Or does he stay outside? Alienated from his father forever. Who will find us when we have gone astray? What will our response be when we stand outside of the offer of the party of salvation? A friend of mine once recent wrote to me recently saying that there is no depth to which you can sink or far country to which you can run, that the grace of God in Christ cannot find you. There before their eyes, God the Father has sent an elder brother to them to rescue them. 
Jesus Christ himself has come down and stands before the elder brothers of the world and says, I have come that you might have life. And even though nobody goes after the son while he goes far off, in fact, what we see is that God did show up. That God did find the younger son. And where did he find him? In the pigsty. He came to himself. The great difference between the younger brother and the older. He comes to himself and he understands what it means to be a miserable offender. To be a wretch saved by grace. Not as a slight against ourselves or one another, but to understand the misery of the weight of lostness. What misery it is to be alienated from God. That although we are unworthy to gather up the crumbs under his table, what the younger son understood was that his father's property was always to have mercy. And so he goes home. The younger brother is not saved by his words, but by the grace, love, sacrifice, and goodness of the father. The father welcomes him back home. The son does not talk his way in. If you look up the definition of prodigal in the dictionary, it says that it is the spending of money or resources freely and recklessly, to be wastefully extravagant, having or giving something on a lavish scale. A preacher was right to say that if there is anybody that meets this definition in this parable, it's not the younger son, it's the father who has given everything for his sons. Jesus gives us a picture of two ways in which we are alienated from God this morning. It may be that you're running from him, that you are trying as hard as you can to be the captain of your own destiny, and you end up in the pigsty, seemingly far away from God. But he sent an elder brother to get you, and that he meets you even there. It may be that you're like the older brother, hiding in your own self-righteousness, thinking that you've earned the Father's love. It's about what you have done that earns your right to get into the party. You're hiding even behind your own goodness. And yet, if you are to come into the party, if you are to say yes to the offer of salvation, offer of salvation it is not on your own merit but because of the merit of Jesus Christ, the gracious offer that comes through his death and resurrection to salvation. The cross of Jesus Christ is sufficient for those who are far off and even those who are seemingly near. This morning, Jesus says to us, whether you are a younger brother or whether you are an older brother, come home. Come home. Amen.